in a podcast where two people speak with another person about the duality of authenticity and bullshittery, the life of a street performer, and being open with pain and joy. On today's episode, we speak with Ryan. Ryan is one of the most well-known Westerners in pie if not all of northern thailand i feel like everywhere we go everyone we meet knows ryan it's true um so ryan is uh many things uh not the least of which a man of many hats a man of many hats what should i say what's the kimono Kimono. I don't know what a kimono <laughs> a man of is. Many kimonos. <laughs> what is what is he always wearing? Uh, like the, what's wearing. the Mexican equivalent of, of kimono? Poncho. I, was kimono right? Does does that like fall in the realm of? I have no yeah. idea of what a kimono is, other than it felt right there. It's like a robe. It's like a fancy. Oh like, yeah, like a Japanese robe. kimono, yeah. like that Schmidt would wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, not quite a kimono. Yeah, I think then, poncho. Pon- poncho. Whatever. A man of many ponchos and hats. <laughs> this is, Ryan's going to love this intro. <laughs> this is what you guys fucking think of me. Um, Ryan. Okay, no, he's we, diverse. He is. So not the least of which is a leader of the fire performers now officially named uh, Pie Medicine Circus. Um, and he uh, travels around leading this troupe of fire performers around the festivals and other things in northern thailand he's an awesome fire performer and um he as a solo act is a ma- magician and when we recorded this podcast we had been trying to see his magic show so many times i don't even know we'd probably tried to go and see it six or eight times and we joke about how we think it's probably not real and i think maybe one week after we recorded this podcast episode we finally got the chance to see his magic show and we could not believe how amazing he is he is such a good magician he delivered he delivered like the post office he was delivering to an audience of what 50 kids all tripping balls on mushrooms so like a perfect audience to Wow, the crowd. <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking it's hard to know <laughs> exactly how talented no, of a it magician was. No. I think objectively it was a very good <laughs> very good performance. Yeah. I wonder how if he prefers to perform to sober people or Probably people tripping on mushrooms. People. Can you imagine? I mean any high on anything, it's like no, no, you have to like follow what I'm doing now. Like pay attention. Yeah. Don't get distracted <laughs> by the I'm sure a uh cognizant actively engaged viewership is more desirable but we'll ask but you probably get to feel like you are so impressive to an audience well, i think that might be true if you're not all that impressive to begin with but, but if right, you're yeah. yeah if you're if you got a quality show to begin with you're gonna wow them no matter what i think it probably means more but we'll ask and report back all right you can check out Ryan, our uh, website for that update yeah. <laughs> and use our Amazon link at the top right corner when you're doing your everyday shopping to give us just a small portion of the proceeds. Seriously, please, guys, please, please go to Nobody's our website Nobody's used right it now. yet, so we're starting I, to suspect. The last time we checked was two weeks ago, but as of then, literally none of you had used it. I know you're hearing this. Hey, and I've hey. emailed a bunch of you specifically being like, use our Amazon link. You know who you are. You know who you are. And even if you don't know who you are, do it anyway. Assume it's you. And <laughs> Assume it's you. Go bookmark our take Amazon up that flag. link and, and stop sh- start shopping with us on Amazon. 
It doesn't cost you anything extra. Please. We're we're a very good charity. Um, after we guys after we last spoke to you guys, I think we had just arrived in Bali and we have now been hopping around Indonesia for the past week and it's been pretty cool. We are now in Gili Trawangan, um, the Gili Trawangan. Islands off of Lombok. And Lombok. So far, it's awesome. We're about to go snorkeling, so that's snorkeling. exciting. Um, and Trevor hasn't baked any bread the whole no time bread. he's been traveling. What no a bread. jerk. The starter is hopefully resting now in the refrigerator at home. and Kombucha should be ready by the time we get home, though, and, and other fermented goods. That's exciting. That is exciting. We'll keep you updated on that one. I hope our uh, kefir culture is still alive and thriving as well. It's been longer out. For all those fermented food enthusiasts out there, did we talk about how the Mongolians took over the world by eating uh, fermented cabbage? Yeah. In case you were wondering how uh, Till the Hun made it so far, right? Genghis Khan. Angus Khan. Who's Till the Hun? Like way before that. Is he Mongolian though? I don't know. Fact check. Who? <laughs> we need an assistant. <laughs> Anybody wants to be our free assistant, check our podcasts. Feel free. Isn't that what the internet's for? Well, I do all this stuff for the actual episode, but then we, we record our intros <clears throat> at the last moment so that you guys are up to date with us. You know, I saw Marco Polo and I didn't see them eating any fermented cabbages. Oh, shit. They did uh, not do their proper research in Marco Polo. Yeah, they didn't talk to our guy. <laughs> we got so, a Marco Polo guy. Yeah. <laughs> we got a cabbage guy. <laughs> he ain't no cabbage patch kid. All right. We got to go snorkeling. So uh, we hope you enjoy this episode with Ryan. Uh, hello to all of our brand new listeners that ryan will surely bring into this episode um please go back and check out all the episodes before this and subscribe and rate oh, okay the contest for me to occasionally interesting interestingify your face is over i think the day after this podcast drops so get in your last minute reviews uh go to wherever you are downloading this podcast and rate five stars and give us a review and that will enter you into the contest to win a chance to have me do some really cool art of your face or whoever's face you submit uh so yeah please do that and share this podcast around um and if you if you are listening to this in a place where there isn't a way to leave a review then share it on whatever social media network and comment at occasionally interesting and i will count that as well Um, as a way to be entered into the contest. All right. Thanks, guys. And without further ado, Ryan. Occasionally interesting. Occasionally interesting. They are occasionally interesting. This is an amazing sound check. That's what we're going to yeah, have people say. Yeah, it's not my first time now. doing a, ca- a sound check either. This ain't my first rodeo, honey. That's good. I've been mostly telling people to do their ABCs, and even that seems like an unbelievably difficult request for the average non-performer. Can you do it backwards? Z, Y, X, W, T, S, <laughs> I feel like you already messed up, v. but I don't really know. Isn't that what you're supposed to do when you get anesthesia, or is that just in the movies? 
Well, usually they just have them count to a hundred, and they're usually never last past ten. Well, one, anesthesia two. I'm in dreamland. Have you ever gotten anesthesia? I have, and it was glorious. What What'd you get it for, and why uh, was it glorious? Surgery, getting a little cyst, um, taken out of my my peck, um, and it was glorious because it was like I was like. 12 or 13 and i tripped balls man <laughs> like god damn it's dreamland like nothing else yes got trevor's first dental surgery when he was 12 and he met nitrous silly gas oh yeah boy. i was like this is mm. this is great mm-hmm, exactly <laughs> i can do this every day drugs are amazing <laughs> i don't need are. life i'm high on drugs yeah it was a wild trippy adventure never had anesthesia though mm-hmm. that's ooh, that's one step up man the gas, mm, yeah, it's pretty good. Anesthesia, oh, baby. Are you conscious? Oh, fuck. Well, kind of. Like, you are, I mean, it's like DMT. It's just this fucking, just, it blanks it out. Your eyes are still open, and they do it so that, like, you're you're mildly conscious. You don't have a chance of waking up. It's not a waking up into the surgery. It's just this kind of, like, but I <sighs> am in the fuck here, you know. So, do you have- I don't know. I don't remember it clearly. I was 12, <laughs> and I was high as a kite. What are the details of anesthesia? Are you an anesthetician, or whatever the fuck they call it? Anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. There we go. Uh, My inner this- English major is crying. I think esthetician. I feel like that's something to do with makeup, so saying like anesthetician. Uh. It's very different from anesthesiologists. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I might... similar. It's putting people into a daze and like letting them believe that everything is beautiful. You think when people have makeup on them, it's what makes them believe that everything else is beautiful? To some people. Interesting. Or maybe it's because they don't think things are beautiful. Internal That's reflection. Why they put yeah. to reflect the way you see the outside world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, I'm good looking. <laughs> Therefore, yeah, dude, it's a really beautiful. admirable quality. I really like it when women don't wear makeup. Because that shit bums me out. You gotta know it a little bit on the inside. That's way more beautiful than any kind of spackle and shit that you could put on your face. Shit bums me out. Women was... are gorgeous. Stop doing that to your head. <laughs> you look like a clown, man. And I'm terrified of clowns. We were talking with somebody really? yesterday about something that I, I was unaware occurred. Uh, bleaching. People like... There was, he was saying Wait, I told what, like, you about it earlier. Like, I told you about bleaching? it last week. Do you, you remember? Said, well, you were talking about. Oh, this is turning like, into a lover's quarrel really fast. <laughs> the umbrellas and not. No, like, I, t- like, I told that you the story about how when I, I told you once, I told you a thousand times. <laughs> bleaching happens. <laughs> this is when I my dad lived like half the time in Fort Lauderdale when I was in middle school. And I was down there visiting him, and he rented an apartment from an Asian lady. Um, and I was taking a shower, and I saw in the shower this skin bleach, like this whitening cream and whatnot, and like these beauty standards of white is beautiful. And in our middle school, cute kids were, especially the girls, they were already starting tanning. It was like crazy. And then that was when I was maybe 11 or 12, and that that seeing that bottle and being like beauty standards are ridiculous and they are so subjective like of course like that 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 helps me give myself permission to never go tanning or do any of the crazy things that my peers were doing because i was like my incredibly white skin is 
considered very beautiful to See, other that's cultures. What I, remember. I remember tanning being like the thing. Yeah. Like, everyone was, I mean, to the point where they were orange. Like, it was just like, oh, oh. And they put on more makeup to cover up the fact that they're orange. It was mm-hmm. a vicious circle. No, yeah. Did they? I feel like girls in our high school embraced being orange. It certainly became a uh, thing of pride. To each his own, I suppose. I don't know why anybody would envy pale skin because I walk out in the sun and I burst into flames. Like, what? Well, that's, you know, <laughs> beauty standards. It's just not safe. You don't look pale now. Because all I do is dance out in that fucking sand, motherfucker. It sounds like thing. a great alternative to I know, exactly. And even once the sun has set, you throw balls of fire around your face. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know where my batteries are, but somebody needs to take them out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I need to turn them off eventually. But I'm invigorated. So is is this currently the podcast? Are we, are I mean, we I'm just recording, shooting the but shit? We'll see. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I feel like that, that is there an does intro? a nice transition into our intro. But there All we right. go. We first met Ryan on our first Sunday in Pi. We went to see one of the infamous fire shows that this little mountain town is known for. Ryan came over to us to announce the fire show, and I promptly interrogated him about his rapidly changing and mixed up accent and learned that he was originally from Colorado and is the leader of the fire shows. He's become one of our close friends here, (laughs) and the more we get to know him, the more we adore his nuances, contradictions, fire performances, and his extreme authenticity. Ryan naturally embodies all that this podcast seeks to find. He is the opposite of small talk. He is genuine with a capital G, which also obviously means he's a fantastic bullshitter, especially when it comes to supposedly hosting a magic show that we seem to somehow always just miss. Anyway, we're very excited to explore the wonderful and weird world of Ryan on Occasionally Interesting today. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Jen. You know flattery will get you everywhere. You know this, right? God damn, just pump my ego. Oh, How do you feel about... Uh, we had a debate of including including bullshitter in the intro. I thought you'd like it. You're a performer and a magician. I thought you. I am a feel professional proud. bullshitter. Yeah, it is on my business card. Like, so that's what she was saying. Right. Right. I was like, I, was saying he's I wouldn't want you to. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, especially when you know you take pride in being genuine, could take offense to being called a bullshitter. Yeah. If you don't understand the context from which it's meant, I got from. desensitized to being ribbed very early on in my life. My dad is also a magician and therefore a professional bullshitter. Um, and he used to tell me when I was young, you're so full of shit, your eyes are brown. And for the longest time, I thought that's what that meant, the dickhead. You know, <laughs> is that real? <laughs> and I, you know, I was a small child, man, and he's already swearing at me. He's just got this Rolodex of, of lines. Uh, when I was much younger, uh, my front teeth didn't grow in evenly. Like one was really higher than the other. And my dad used to call me eat a row, leave a row. When you're eating a cob of corn, eat a row, leave a row. My dad's an asshole. He's a smart ass. Yeah, so I like bullshitter him. is the lightest possible thing you could have called me. I'm, I'm. I, I thought you'd you. probably take Glad it as a compliment. Identified. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a compliment, and, I'm, and, and an also I was saying that me. I feel like I know it sounds like a contradiction. But I feel like being a genuine person and being good at bullshitting go hand in hand. I mean, that's certainly mm-hmm. how I, mm-hmm. I think about myself. If somebody, if somebody can't, you know, bullshit with you, then I don't really trust them. Like, I know. Yeah. Seriously. They, yeah. Then exactly. they don't seem genuine. Mm-hmm. I I don't know exactly how to explain that. Maybe you can help me figure out why that is. Well, I I really like the act of of shooting the shit. I love conversation because it's like a you know it's like a game of ping pong. It's just 
nice back and forth. Here's my thing. Here's your thing. And it's just like you were talking about last night with the whole, like you take little, you know, snippets from other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. According to the beautiful poem. And it's, you know, that, that comes with a, like a good rapport, a good banter. I love witty banter. It's one of the most connective things. And, and communication is something that I had to, to learn. I learned a lot of it through, uh, through magic, um, through being, you know, a performer and having to bullshit with people. But before that, I was in retail, which really taught me the whole schmoozing thing. Hey, how are you? It's good to see you. What can I get for you? Like, it's just such an easy thing. And, you know, language is, is, like the tool that we it's the best tool that we have for communication it's just this is what's in my heart you know i want to i want to speak my truth i want to talk i want to be seen just like everybody else and and that's you know it's kind of become my my tool for doing so how do you think you went made the leap from that sort of superficial retail conversation of hey how you doing good how are you to meaningful deep connection with people uh i can even pinpoint it um I started going to therapy when I was like 13. I was a very depressed, sullen, angsty teenager, purple hair and wallet chains and listening to MXPX and, you know, <laughs> I'm a punk. No, you're just pissed off at the world, kid. It's okay. Don't worry about it. So are the rest of us. Um, so I had to learn how to talk to myself. And then I had a very, very good friend um, just after high school. His name's Kyle. Um, I grew up in a very small town with him. And it's very boring. There's really not that much to do up there. So we would just drive around in circles on dirt roads, smoking pot, and talking about everything under the sun. You know, the the color of the moon, religion, politics, the consistency of cream cheese, you know, <laughs> what we think about life. Like, just literally every topic under the sun. There's no person on the planet that knows me better. And it it became this thing of, like, it drew it out of me because when I first started like really hanging out with him, we were both at a hard part of our lives, but he would just talk at me like, these are my plans and this is what I'm doing until I literally was just shut up. I'm going to say something now. And it turned into, you know, like racquetball. And so, you know, a, a very good friend pulled it out of me and I've had many, many people tell me that I talk more than I listen but it's mostly because I'm just waiting for the banter to come back. I'm hitting the ball repeatedly into your court. It's fun. You know? That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Well, conversation anyway. But uh, to kind of elaborate on your question, though, um, getting to, make, to, to have it be less superficial was um, was obviously a long series of events. But... Um, I started doing magic in my early 20s and fully admitting that I really, I wanted the acknowledgement really badly. Like I was still really shy and I didn't know how to connect with people. And I just wanted somebody to tell me that I'm awesome. And I know that this stuff is really good, so I'm going to do it in front of people. And I really hope that like, oh my God, they told me that I'm awesome. This is amazing. But it started to become like a situation where like the cup fills up. And the cup has to run it over. Like you can't, you can let it go to your head and just, oh, I'm the hot shit, you know. Or you start giving it back to people, you know. Like my cup is already full. I already know that life is amazing and that I'm awesome. How about 
how about I tell you that you're awesome? You know, don't tell me that I'm the, you can tell me that I'm the best, but I'm going to, I'm just going to reflect it right back. You're amazing. And you being there to see us be amazing is what we got. You know, that everybody, you know, everybody deserves to hear it. The person that change, that pumps your gas, the person that changes your tire, the person that cuts your hair, and they never get to fucking hear it. Nobody ever says it to them. Performers, we get that shit all the time. You're the best magician I've ever seen. Well, how many magicians have you seen? Two. <laughs> well, then that's not much of a statement. But like, you know, performers get to hear it. Other people just don't. And it's, you know, it's our obligation to really, you know, to spread that around. Why do you think those people, why is that not a more commonly used form of conversation? Why don't, why aren't people more open with compliments, genuine compliments? Mm, mm. Giving or oftentimes oh, receiving. Yeah, well, uh, I'll probably even more so, all things considered. I know I, I struggle with, with the receiving aspect more than the giving. Um, um, they haven't come to see the beauty in themselves or in life and understand that it's, it's so easy to give it freely. People love to see people like doing something awesome, being passionate about anything. Somebody told me that the other day after a fire show, I wish I was passionate about anything the way you're passionate about what you're doing out there. Fucking anything, stamp collecting, you know, arborist, anything, because people love to see it perhaps it's just getting older but like that sort of stereotypical high school idea of it's not cool to be passionate about anything like you have to be dispassionate oh, in order to say that. <laughs> it's true but once like, you are you're labeled a nerd you're, yeah. you're interested in weird things because yep, yeah. anything that you can show that much enthusiasm for has to be weird yeah. and I feel like that's changed. I don't know if I've changed like the people I'm around. That's changed Probably for that age that. group or as you get older, I, that I can't changes. speak to that age group. I yeah. wonder if, if I'm experiencing a cultural change or I'm changing my culture. I, well, I, I definitely hope, but I, I believe that, that that definitely changes as people get older. I mean, as as life then shows you how much better it's going to treat those who are passionate and enthusiastic. But definitely, I mean, uh, I was obviously labeled the biggest nerd in high school because the number one defining characteristic of me is enthusiasm. Fuck yeah. I always See, have been. Good, oh, and, man, that's a good quality to have, darling. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's I don't contagious. think I never had a, I never had a shot in hell of, being cool in high school but i think not a snowball's at chance least everybody hell. always thought that i was interesting and i was gonna always be doing stuff and i'm i'm sure that my passion for the myriad of subjects that i was passionate about hopefully was a, a ultimate positive impact i can't imagine that those kids in high school who are making fun of anybody for being enthusiastic are then like going home and thinking like wow like what a really trash person that is for having passion towards the environment like they are really just a dreadful person that i hate interacting with i think that's probably if anything a sense of feeling lost and ashamed that they haven't found the same thing or i don't know i mean but also what is hipster culture is literally just like that extending and being uh 
exponential exponentially how do i say that word exponentialized no, uh, yeah exponentialized and yeah you're reaching like for something there. made more acceptable as you get older is to be the, the worst thing in the world would be to genuinely think anything is awesome so you think that they see that enthusiasm and are upset with themselves for not having it for something and therefore only can lash out I mean, I don't really know since I've never been on the other side of that, but that certainly is one uh, way of how I've justified or tried to understand other people's behaviors. It's just a reflection in themselves. If anybody right. lashes out, it's just because they're Again, duking it out with something like in themselves. I was going around lashing out at the people who weren't doing anything with their lives and had no passion for anything. That's the point of enthusiasm. I want you to have it. It's not, there ties back to giving. It's, I want you to have it. It's not a matter of like, I'm going to be pissed off at you for not having it. Here, have some of mine. I got plenty. Yeah. Will Wheaton put it in a really great way in a, in a video that I saw is that to be a nerd has sort of changed. Like you can be a nerd about anything. You can yeah. be a mechanics nerd. You can be a physics nerd. You can be a comic book nerd, a D&D nerd. Podcast I'm definitely nerd. the latter too. Podcast nerd. Like just at this point, like nerd is just being really, really into something. It's just having, having enthusiasm for any one thing. And so I think it's a combination of both of what you were talking about. Is the culture changing or am I changing? Obviously, you're getting older. You're not in high school anymore. There aren't any bullies around us anymore because what the fuck is the benefit I mean, of sure being there a bully? Are, but... I'm sure there are, but they don't hang out here, thank God. Um, but, like, it's our generation that grew up being nerds that are yeah. now, like, getting to be adults. Like, like parents are taking also, their kids to the Marvel movies and, like, you know, like, all these little things about it's not about, you know, nerd. It's like, no, the dorks grew up and, like... We're running the fucking show now. Exactly. You know? I think the internet growing up, our generation growing up with the internet also did a lot to change how that was of being yeah. like, it was before, even a generation before ours, you know, you couldn't find your tribe with the click of a button. Even if your tribe wasn't, if your tribe wasn't in your high school, then you thought you were the only person on earth with your interests. And then once you are our age oh, you yeah. knew that there were other people in the world who were like you even if they weren't next to you you yeah. knew that you weren't alone in the same sense and that gave you permission to be who you were in a whole new way so what an isolating thing oh man if i don't find the people that understand me in this group of 120 people <laughs> then i'm screwed <sighs> like no wonder kids are so you know angsty and freaking out all the time they're they're life in their world is so small you know but yeah then you get out and about and you know start meeting people I, I read somewhere that like the reason why as we grow up years start to feel shorter and shorter is that they are they're a shorter fraction of our life yeah when we were five summer vacation felt like a lifetime because it was like one-tenth of our life now it's one thirty-second of my life it's just like oh god it just went by again and so, like, when life is so much smaller and your social group is so much smaller and it, all this is is my hometown and my parents telling me what to do, it's no wonder you're angsty. Take a deep breath. Be patient. You're on your leg of the journey and, and know that, like, your your kind is out there, you know. Oh, that, I wonder where you read that. Like, kind. I, I, I called it the proportionality of time when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I remember being fascinated. Like even at a young age, you realize that this three-hour car ride that you know I used to take to this house felt like 
an eternity. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait, we're there already? Yeah. I'm being fascinated by this concept. Yeah. Like, Time is relative. That's what Einstein said, is that uh, an hour with a pretty girl can feel like the blink of an eye. And 10 seconds waiting for an elevator can feel like a lifetime. <laughs> you know, it's time is relative. Time is totally proportionate. And it's just like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. Time is flying here in this place, but it's just mostly because I'm really enjoying this particular chapter of my life. I With find the that time is that interesting temporary. here that that there is much less of a it's nothing like the state's mentality towards time, especially in this tiny mountain town where I mean I know in Thailand in general it's a different cultural set of standards for how people regard and interact with time, but definitely in Pai I think that's even more emphasized than Well it's it. just it's just concentrated up here. This is like the concentration of the Thai my Ben Lai way of living that I was telling you guys about. It's it's relaxed. It's cool. There's something about not having to be somewhere. Right. Like when you think about it, the um, this is out of one out of a wonderful book that I'm reading, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. So I'm not going to take credit oh, for it. I just started reading that. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So the difference between so a guy puts a gun to your head and says you have to run ten miles in five minutes. That's going to be one of the most painful experiences of your life. Versus. I trained for several months to run a 5K. And it was one of the most rewarding and beautiful things that I've ever done. Same fucking situation. But it's the perspective. It's it's do you have to be somewhere? And I mean, I know that like if there's anybody back in the Western world that's listening to this, they're like, ah, you dickheads. Well, I'm not fucking hanging out in Thailand. But it's still like you can still be in the Western world and and like be on your own schedule and and <laughs> and like know and be that incredibly ostracized and have everybody make fun of you constantly. <laughs> make fun of you? Are you kidding me? I heard people tell me they were jealous all the time. I quit my job when I was twenty four to live in a van and traveled, you know, bounced around from city to city, just following the summer, yelling jokes and doing card tricks, and like I've got a pulse. <laughs> I made, I did it. Everybody told me that they were jealous. I spent a lot of lonely nights in a fucking car, sweating in parking lots in Las Vegas and like, you know, having good days and bad days and like days where I'd make pennies and, and get heckled and days where everybody's energy was perfect and I would just go away glowing. And like, you know, just that faith of like, if I just go out for the fun of it, tying back to enthusiasm, days when I would go out and street perform that I knew that I like needed to make rent or fix the van or like I needed money. I would make pennies. It's that desperation thing. You go to a bar looking for a partner. They can smell it on you and they just recoil in horror days when I would go out just because like, I love this and I love what my life is and I get to go make people laugh. This is going to be awesome. Shit, man, I'd come back with just cobs of cash because it was, it's this inverse, you know, backwards law, uh, Alan Watts's backwards law. Uh, Tell us. Uh, Tell our listeners. Wanting a positive experience is in its is in itself a negative experience. Wanting a negative like appreciating a negative experience is in itself a positive experience. Like not any time that you're you know it's resistance. It's an inner resistance towards what is. Like you know I want fucking anything. It's it's it's. It's negative. It's not good for you. It's not because it's not what is. You know what? Life is really good. I'm okay with this. 
that is in itself a positive experience. I accept this. I came to a really wonderful conclusion. Um, having a wonderful mushroom trip uh, this last weekend. Should I say this on a podcast? Oh my this God, this is, is very vulnerable. This on every episode. Marvelous. That's what I like <laughs> to hear. Um, so one of my friends made a really inane concept or like, like comment when she was, um, you know, talking about life. She said something about like the further now. And I'm like, you mean the future? And like, she had just screwed up her words, but it became a running joke for the rest of the night. The further now and the way back there now and the now now. It's beautiful. I like but that. It, isn't it, isn't it great, great phrasing? The further now, it's it's further down the road. And so I was thinking about it, and I was spinning my poi, and I was laughing a lot with my friends. And it occurred to me that if the back there now was filled with love and joy and loss and devastation and grief... It's a very good chance that the further now is going to be filled with love and joy and loss and heartbreak and devastation. So what the fuck hurry am I in? Like, right now is okay. Like, I want a partner. I'm lonely. Fucking wait a little while. Just be happy with what is for a little bit, you know. You know, oh, I'm not really making that much money. Well, who gives a shit? Like, are you alive? Do you have beautiful people around you? You know, do you have a, a thing to give right now? Then shut up and do it. So it, it really, you know, I mean, it brought me to a really lovely place of peace. Just, just, you know, kind of understanding that within the concept of something silly, like the further now and the way back there now. You know, the further now is probably going to have a lot of gifts. And it's probably going to have a lot of bullshit. And the back there now definitely had a lot of gifts and a lot of horseshit. Man, what what am I in a hurry for? Because it might be the heartbreak stage next. I don't fucking know. This could crumble at any minute, you know. So, impermanence, buddy. It's good for you. It's nice to be humbled. Because the chapter that brought me here was really, really hard. Um, I'd been living in Chiang Mai for um, for about two and a half years. Uh, I came to Pai coming up on three years ago, uh, fully intending on spe- spending a week's vacation in Pai. That went well. Uh, that was three friggin' years ago. And uh, I had to go on a... I was up here in Pai just losing time and hanging out with pirates. Uh, I developed the idea that this place is never, never land standing around with a bunch of like hippies with rings and bananas and dreadlocks and playing with fire toys and shit. I was like, these are pirates. These are the lost boys. This is never, Neverland. Oh my God. We're not growing up. This is awesome. Second star on the right straight on till morning, buddy. Um, so I spent a month doing that. And one of my friends was like, so what's your visa situation? Visa? What the fuck are you talking about? Oh shit. I gotta, Oh God, I gotta get down there. So I hauled ass down to Chiang Mai. I got a visa extension. Um, I went into a coffee shop that um, my my friend that I'd met up here really highly recommended. Uh, I was doing some tricks for some people there. Uh, and the owner was like, hey, we got an open mic night. You got to stick around till Friday. It was the most beautiful open mic night that I've ever been to. It really brought whole new meaning to like open mic. It was really open hearted and beautiful. Uh, so I decided to stick around for another week to do it again because it was so beautiful and it moved me so much to see just open hearted people. Uh, and off in the corner, my whole show was this tall, leggy redhead 
that was just smiling ear to ear and laughing at every joke. And we were together for two and a half years. And I loved her so much. I still do. And we drifted apart. We went through some really hard times. And my life in Chiang Mai really fell apart. And so I came up here to Pai. And I stumbled ass over tea kettle into a bunch of really great gifts. Which helped me heal my heart and go through the grief that I needed to go through. And I'm still going through. Who the fuck am I kidding? Mm, that was a nice ramble. That was beautiful. Mm. <laughs> we going to our standard questions now? Yeah, sure. That was just the intro, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. There's more. Man, you guys got a blowhard on here. Man, this guy is so full of wind. Oh, my God. I hope he says something important. Everything you're saying is important. I believe that. Well... What is the most unrealistic thing you believe in? I don't know. Um, I'd like to believe in the jackalope because <laughs> I really want it to actually exist. It's so cute. You guys know what a jackalope is? Jackalope yes. is a rabbit, jackrabbit, with uh, uh, deer antlers. It's a, a North American mythological animal. And you know the only thing better than a jackalope? The Germans one uh, one upped us with the Wolpertinger. It's a it's basically a jackalope. It's a jackrabbit with deer horns and fangs and bat wings. What <laughs> looking awesome is this? Like <sighs> goddamn, mythological animals are amazing. Um, but if I'm you know if I'm being vulnerable, uh, the most ridiculous thing that I like really believe in. Although a lot of you know the more spiritual people around me would probably encourage it is order that the cosmos does have order cosmos means order um chaos chaos and cosmos both both come from the latin root meaning order hmm. that when you look at like a spiraling galaxy it seems from our like tiny window perspective that it's just chaos it's just stars exploding and planets crashing into each other and you know it it looks like chaos because we're looking at it from such a small window, but it's it's really not. Like there's there's I hope that there's order to it. There really is meaning to it. Here's another really weird one. So if it this is obviously madly up for debate within, you know, astrophysics and metaphysics, but there's a lot of people that a lot of scientists that claim that the not only is the universe not contracting as they used to believe, but that it's constantly expanding. And not only is it constantly expanding, but it's speeding up with every second. It's just exponentially getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's the, the, the first three dimensions, length, width, and depth, like that's the space that we're in. The fourth dimension is time. And so if all of, the, all of the, the spatial dimensions are constantly expanding in every direction at any one point in time, and it's constantly speeding up. Therefore, time is too. And we, lucky us, are at the very, very front of that. We are at the furthest moment that time has ever gotten. The universe has been around for billions and billions and billions of years. And we, us lucky dogs, we are rocketing forward in that one dimension we are the furthest that it's ever been we are the oldest that it's ever been we're like we're like taped to the the like the nose piece on an airplane just like shooting through life just like whoa you know what a ride 
my hand kind of went away from my mouth there. If that's that's why I got quiet. I was getting very <laughs> enthusiastic. I have all these wild hand gestures. So yeah. So that's like that's probably the most ridiculous thing that I believe in. God does not play dice with the universe. Mm-hmm. Do you think that order and meaning go hand in hand, or do you think that they are two separate concepts? Ooh. Oh, yes. Uh, There's a great TED Talk that I watched a little while ago. Um, God, I wish the guy, I remembered the guy's name so I could give him credit. But he talked about, like, we forge meaning. Um, that, like, people, when they're going through really hard times, like, like, I'm talking, like, really hard times, like, sickness or, like, children or family dying or, you know, really big hardships, people will use this really bullshit, really almost kind of cruel phrase. Everything happens for a reason. God only gives you as much as you can handle, which are just cruelly reductionist and like really just, they're just mean. And he was talking about, and I highly believe in this, that it's not about everything happens for a reason, that you find the reason. Very little happens for a reason. It's, it's serendipity and it's, and it's timing, but we make the reason because we have the choice at any one point in time, given hardships, we have not only the choice, but the responsibility. We are responsible for how we react to any situation. You know, there is order in things. I believe, I believe that there's, there's synchronicity, that there's serendipity. Like you always hear the story of like, you know, had I not been late to work, I wouldn't have gone on that other bus to meet the love of my life. You know, like these weird little things that everybody's always like, what are the astronomical unlikelihoods of this? Oh God, they just had a cute moment. I love that head on shoulder. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, dude, love is always like that because love is always like that. And I don't want to reduce it to, to romantic love, but that love, love is always like that. It's a, it's a, it's a choice that we make. It's a frequency that we tap into. It's, to quote the great Jim Carrey, at any one point in time, we have the choice between two things, love or fear. You know, my buddy Joaquin over here was just talking about like how frustrated he was that he wasn't like helping the people back in Argentina that were important to him. And like, you know, I'm not back home. You think you could be such a happy person back in America? No, that's why I'm not in America. You know, but that's not, that's not where I'm at in my life right now. I can't help the people back in America right now because if they aren't willing to not be angry, I can't give through to them, get through to them. You know, if I'm out there giving love, oh, I guess that's, that's kind of reductionist. I'm going to, I'm going to go back on that. I helped people a lot when I was a street performer because I was yelling jokes and doing a really neat magic act. But then in the middle of it, and you'll see this when you actually do see the magic show in the middle of it, when I got their attention, I like to break character and stop being a magician and just be a human. And I told them that the the reason why I'm out here is because I love to make people laugh and smile. It's always been the, the greatest feeling in the world to me. It's love. Magic taught me the most important thing that I've ever learned in this life, the most important le- lesson that I've ever learned. And that's that the best way to get love in this life is to give love. So, I mean, you can do it in the Western world. You can help the people back home with enthusiasm. Jen, if you've got enthusiasm, baby, you keep that up because it's the most contagious and it's the biggest gift that you can give to somebody else. I think that's a great message. Like, I remember being younger and 
being really worried, probably due to my Christian upbringing of like, I sort of came to this conclusion. Now I realize wrongfully that the only way to really help people was to sort of martyr yourself in like a biblical sense. Like you had to like, like you really cared about the poor, then you had to give up every single thing that you had in order. And that's not really what it's about. You know, it's about those small acts of kindness. It's about doing the next right thing. It's about being the best person that you can be. And through that, you change the world. You don't need to hang yourself on a cross. You don't need to light yourself on fire in the middle of a square. It's not. Oh, I mean, like that. that I don't mean to diminish those acts. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're like unimaginably selfless, but that seems really daunting. Like I think that there's probably forces at work that want to make you think that that's the only way that you could make a difference in this world. It, it's just because of those are the standards that we're, that we're held to. You, I mean, it's, the, it's that whole, like, you can do anything generation that we grew up in. You could be the next Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi. Why would you hold us to those standards? Because those, um, uh, Tikhat Kun, something like that, was the name of that, of that monk in the Rage Against the Machine um, album cover. <laughs> <laughs> the Tibetans would be so pissed off that that's, that's like my reference for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like the reason why he did that was because of such mass injustice around him. Like we don't like we don't have mass injustice around us. So what we're what we're fighting daily is a much smaller demon. Martin Luther King, again, not to use that, you know, the the ridiculous standard, but he had this wonderful way of viewing it that like you know, hate doesn't, you know, trump out hate. Hate doesn't snuff out hate. Love snuffs out hate. Darkness doesn't combat darkness. So love combats darkness. Light combats darkness. That the, like, especially in the civil rights movement, the whole thing that he was preaching and the whole reason why it worked the way that it did was he was always talking about, like, the, the racists, the people that are, committing these things they're kind of the victims that the way that they were brought up the way that like they were filled with this hate by the people around them like they were the ones in in pain that were just lashing it out and taking it out on people of a different color how ridiculous is that that like that loving them was the way to disarm it that it was like oh you poor thing not fuck you you're it's your fault you're you know you shouldn't be racist it's like oh my god dude i'm so sorry that you have that pain in you that's not fair no you nobody deserves that somebody shouldn't have done that to you and and it worked and obviously they like they were getting billy clubbed in the street and it was just awful so they really did need to like stand up and kind of be a martyr but it's different it's different ways of approaching it not everybody is going to be the forefront nobody not everybody's going to be Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King but that doesn't mean that you don't play an integral role that doesn't mean that your piece in this because I was just talking to a buddy over here about it's the this was this used to be a part of my hat pitch the ripples of your kindness travel far further than you could ever imagine you smile at somebody on the street they're nice to the next person who picks up a thing for somebody who dropped it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just ripples. The poet laureate Maya Angelou had this wonderful quote that 
People won't remember what you did. People won't remember what you said. But people will never forget the way that you made them feel. You know, when did when did my conversation start to get to be less superficial? When I realized that this broken heart is the same as your broken heart. It's the same as your broken heart. And it's the same as their broken heart. But I want to show mine off. I don't want to be alone in mine. I don't want to think that this is something to be ashamed of. So I'm going to talk about it and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm not going to be ashamed of it. And I want to like show it off to people just fucking naked. Cause you know what happens every fucking time? <sighs> you got a broken heart too. Me too. But I never get a chance to show it off and I'm always too scared. And I got to tell people that my life is great. Well, I think that's a good segue into our next question. <laughs> that was one question. <laughs> it was. Well, I, I... <laughs> no, we had other ones along the way. We did. Okay. I, I wonder. Okay. Um, if there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing, what would it be? Stop being an asshole. Stop being entitled. Okay. <laughs> Smile more. <laughs> what is the most annoying thing about people? <laughs> Same answer. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, I don't know when it's annoying, uh, uh, chewing with your mouth open. Shut your gob, man. This shit is gross. <laughs> <laughs> Solid answer. So, I mean, annoying. Yeah. But I mean, aside from that, that's even judgmental in and of itself. No, so I, I gotta, like it. I got to look inside of myself and be like, where is that judgment coming that's from? That's why I kind of figured it was a good segue, you know, talking about how to accept people. Yeah. Uh, what should we change about people? <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a two, uh, two-handed sword. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Looking at it in that light, like it is, you know, I mean... Uh, whenever we get a feeling of what should people do more of, what should people change or what is most annoying about people um, in psychology, they say that anytime that you have a judgment about somebody else, it's a reflection of something going on within you, within your heart. No exception. What is something that is really popular now, but in five years, everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by fidget spinners. (laughs) Solid answer. What is your favorite thing about yourself? In this moment, my favorite thing is um, is vulnerability, but sometimes that vulnerability isn't isn't good, um, and I don't like it. Um, my favorite thing about me is my shame. My favorite thing about me is um, my uh, failures. Because, ah, I like where this is taking me. Because my favorite, favorite thing about me is that I am insatiably young and I make dumb and stupid decisions and I follow a whim and I quit my job and I live in a van and I buy a plane ticket to Thailand and I fall in love ridiculously with both feet and I let it alter the course of my life. And I pick up fire dancing and I'm letting it change me. My favorite thing about me is that I took a great lesson from my father. That leap in the net will appear. The fool card in tarot has always been my favorite one. Because the symbolism is a young man with all of his shit strung over his shoulder. And he's walking over a cliff with, his ro- with a rose in his hand. He's taking a leap with the best of intentions. 
And I have made a lot of stupid, impulsive decisions in my life. My old therapist used to call it impulse control. And you know what? At this point, fuck off, Rex. <laughs> if I had really good impulse control, I never would have seen the beautiful things that I've seen. That's my favorite thing. That was beautiful. What is your most embarrassing story from before age 10? Well, it's one that I don't truly remember. Um, I've only got told it by my by my folks, which I guess it doesn't really count then if I'm not actually embarrassed by it. But like right in the middle of a big old family gathering, my, my dad is a goofy hippie. Um, and I remember one time, because he was full of shit and he was raising children, which doesn't go well together because like you teach them terrible morals. <laughs> um, but he told me once he's, you know, cause we're out in the woods and he's got to take a leak and like, you know, I'm a boy. So that we're going to learn this together and it's good for the trees. You're, you're throwing a lot of like reoxygenated and like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. You know, uh, human piss is great. Bit. Yeah. It seems what sounds like it's about to be the same thing happened to me. <laughs> oh yeah. Middle of a family gathering. I go up, you know, to the tree in the middle of the thing and just drop trow and like, hey, grandma, how you doing? <laughs> it's just like, you know, this is I was told that this is OK. Like, you know, um, mine was in a mall. Oh, what? yeah, buddy. Yeah. One of the potted plants. It's on a tree oh in a mall. God, that's a, <laughs> at least you got it you? to a tree. That's great. It wasn't just on somebody's leg or something. <laughs> you know. Hey, man, this is nature. Eight or ten. Yeah. Like, so. Maybe younger, six. Seven. Potentially when I, we first dated. <laughs> you just probably came younger than okay. First dated at eight? Eleven. Wow. God, yeah, that might be the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Thank you. And I've heard some cute shit. <laughs> Been around the We're block. each other's first boyfriend and girlfriend. That is amazing. Girl. That is amazing. Thank you. What is the book that has most influenced your life? I don't know. It's probably, you know, something cheesy like, you know, A New Earth, Eckhart Tolle. But, but really, it's uh, been down so long, it looks like up to me by Richard Farina. Nice. It's a book about this this hippie in the late 50s, before hippie was really even a thing. Um, and he, you know, goes back to this college campus on the East Coast and is just causing chaos everywhere. You know, smoking joints in bathrooms before that was a thing. And like, in, you know, at a fraternity house at their pledge dinner and like, you know, starting bar fights and going to Cuba for the Cuban Revolution and all this like cool shit. It was a beautiful cat. Uh, he was um, my favorite example of my favorite literary concept. Uh, the Stranger. You guys familiar with this? The Stranger appears in a lot of different books and stories. Um, Something Wicked This Way Comes or like Pleasantville, uh, a stranger comes to town and leaves change in their wake. A tramp comes blowing through town, and when they leave, everything is different. Relationships have changed. All these ideas have changed. So it's always been my favorite literary concept because it's this beautiful, like, you know, one person can upset so many different lives, and they're all different, but they're all, they've all grown as a result of it changes stagnation it's just these little ripples you look at stagnant water all it takes is the tiniest little bloop and that shit starts moving again you know and motion movement most important thing in life what life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced 
This is only a recent change, so this is actually a good time to explain that I'm not always, I have not always been this, you know, giddy and, sane you know, and balanced. sane and balanced, exactly. Um, uh, when all this shit went down in Chiang Mai, I came up here and I got on the yoga mat every single day. Um, I walk up to the Big White Buddha, which is about 100 stairs every morning at 7 a.m. I eat a fruit bowl. I come back, I do yoga for an hour and a half. Um... I talk to beautiful people around me and I have an absolute refusal to put down the things that I love. Like as we're sitting here, my practice poyer right next to me, I've only been doing fire dancing for or like flow toys for like five months now, what? Um, but I can't put them down. Like I, I feel like I wasted 32 years of my life not mm-hmm. finding this. Like I'm, I'm, for the first time I'm connected with my body because like the finding a passion for something that it was was is really like dance and motion related fitness relation related when i first got into it like i knew because sometimes it would hurt that i'd be like oh i got to stretch but like i'm using my arms so i got to stretch my arms oh hey wait my arms are connected to the whole rest of the machine the <laughs> the meat jacket the skin ship the perpetual emotion machine it's all connected so i have to do do yoga which is going to correct my you know, my posture and the way that I breathe and the way that I handle myself and my diet, which is going to change my chemicals, which are eventually going to change my mind. One of my best friends here in Pi told me really early, early on in this process and it stuck with me was that it's really counterintuitive in the Western world. They always think that they need to fix the head part first and then they can fix the body part. No, it's the other way around. You re-regulate your body chemistry and the chemicals in the brain get fixed. So it's like... It's, you know, what are the practices that I do to, to do this? A lot of yoga, a lot of eating good, um, a lot of beautiful people and a lot of playing, you know, so. Uh, what is the most environmentally friendly thing that you do and or the main environmentally friendly thing that you want others to do? Mm. I mean, I guess it kind of ties in with all the, you know, with all the other stuff, like environment means a lot of things. So like the you know the environmental impact of like i try and make people happy because happy people are far more likely to do nice things for one another you know i think so like i know it's not like you know greenpeace kind of environment um i have a a view about the environment that about like the the natural world the global environment that a lot of hippies get pissed at me for uh is that the planet doesn't give a shit save the planet it's it's about saving the humans the planet's going to be fine without us we're all going to die it's going to keep spinning it's seen countless species rise and fall and and it's just going to keep spinning until it stops spinning and it's going to fall apart save the planet are you fucking kidding me stop being assholes and tossing plastic around like idiots in order to save yourselves yeah but that but it's the thing is it comes from an underlying consciousness it comes from like it's it's this really weird thing where like you have to care about yourself in order to care about other people in order to care about the world at large and everybody thinks that that's selfishness oh well i can't care about myself i gotta be a martyr oh motherfucker if you care then you care and so like you know so the most environmentally conscious thing that i can think to do is just to try and be nice and reduce my own impact you know i don't eat red meat anymore but mostly because it makes me feel like dog shit Um, you know, I 
you know, I mean, I'm definitely still working on it myself. That's fair. All right, final question. Why do people do small talk? Mm, Jen asked me this last night, and I guess I could still make it organic. I believe in you. He was very mad at me for giving him this teaser. Yeah, I like it, though. I like it. It did give me a chance to think about it. Because people are scared to be seen, even though it's exactly the thing that they need, that they want. They're scared to be seen because they think they might be rejected. And rejection is obviously tough. And like being said no to is not easy, but it's really important. You got to be able to be said no to with grace occasionally. Um, but, you know, people do small talk because they're scared. And I can't remember who was talking to me about this, but. Tom Robbins put it in the best way that every act of injustice, of greed, of cruelty was done, well, out of, out of greed. And greed comes from a feeling of not having enough, of scarcity. And scarcity comes from a feeling of, of like running out of time and wanting to accumulate. And the fear of running out of time comes from death every shitty thing that anybody has ever done has been done because they were scared because we don't have time here because this life is a wave that will eventually crest this is one of Jen's favorite authors our favorite authors this is in uh, uh, even cowgirls get the blues it's one of the things that the chink is talking about oh my god that even that word is incredibly racist. I'm sorry. It's a character in a book from the 1970s. <laughs> Politically correct people listening to this. Um, but it's, you know, it really like, it brings everybody to lowest common denominator. Yeah. Can I read you uh, this Tom Robbins quote? That yes, is I love his. He's so eloquent. This is the reason we're going to Kathmandu. It was for painting a Tom Robbins mural. Awesome. Okay. If a person leads an active life, if a person has goals, ideals, a cause to fight for, then that person is distracted temporarily from paying a whole lot of attention to the heavy scimitar that hangs by a mouse hair just above his or her head. We, each of us, have a ticket to ride, and if the trip be interesting, if it's dull, we have only ourselves to blame, then we relish the landscape, how quickly it whizzes by, interact with our fellow travelers, pay frequent visits to the washrooms and concession stands, and hardly ever hold up the ticket to the light where we can plainly read its stated destination." the abyss yet ignore it though we might in our daily toss and tussle the fact of our impending death is always there just behind the draperies or more accurately inside our sock like a burr that we can never quite extract if one has a religious life one can rationalize one slide into the abyss if one has a sense of humor and a sense of humor properly developed is superior to any religion so far devised one can minimalize it through irony and wit Ah, but the specter's there, night and day, day in and day out, coloring with its chalk of gray almost everything we do. And a lot of what we do is done, subconsciously, indirectly, to avoid the thought of death, or to make ourselves so unexpendable through our accomplishments that death will hesitate to take us, or, when the scimitar finally falls, to ensure that we live on in the memory of the lucky ones still kicking. God, he's got a way of putting shit, doesn't he? Yeah. I love that man. I love that man very much. Well, that concludes our interview. Damn yes. straight, man. Thank, Thank you, you very much. That Ryan. wasn't an interview. That was a conversation. I love That's you guys. True. We love, love you, too. You too. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. Thank you for letting me ramble into a mic for a while. That was wonderful. Our was pleasure. Our pleasure. God damn, I hope we get some, I hope somebody gets something out of some of that. Jesus. We hope that as well. Yeah. Whoever's listening, you're loved and you are enough. And thank you for listening to my random bullshit. <laughs> Nathan. Peace and love. Peace and love. Love you guys. <laughs> Bye.